All right. In today's episode, we're talking accounting and bookkeeping best practices for real estate investors. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. And if my notes serve me correct, what is this? Episode 114. So if you've been around since the very beginning, thank you very much. I am honored to serve. I'm honored to help. We're just getting rock and roll. We're actually coming up, if I look at my calendar, we're actually coming up on the two-year anniversary of the launching of this podcast. So if you listen to every single episode right from the very beginning, first of all, I'm sorry for your your ears are probably very sore. And I'm sorry for all the crappy dad jokes. And I'm sorry that you've had to endure the torture test. You've passed the test. You have endured all the way from the very beginning to up to now, and you have passed the test. And here's your reward. Episode 114. (laughs) So, so guys, first of all, all joking aside, I just wanted to just uh, spread some, some love, spread some thank yous, spread some um, gratitude, spread some joy. Um, I'm, I'm blown away each and every day that I get um, feedback each and every day I get uh, some reviews or a uh, email note or a consultation conversation with somebody. I'm just honored to be honored to serve is truly the best way I can put it. And, um, you know, if I look at my notes here, I think we're just releasing this one should be just coming out on the heels of just past father's day. So for for any of you that are out there, if you have, if you're a father or play a father's role or are a father's role or um, the upbringing of the children and things like that, whether you have a father or you are a father, um, just wanted to just wish all the fathers out there happy Father's Day. And I'm not sure if Dad listens, but I hope he does. So happy Father's Day, Dad. Love you. Uh, had a wonderful conversation. Lots of laughs yesterday in our conversation, and I'm looking forward to coming out this summer to to see you. And, you know, play around the golf. That's one of my favorite things to do with my, with my dad is just get on the golf course and, you know, we're out in Saskatchewan. You're, you're trying to, you know, not get blown away by all the wind and you're trying to swat away the mosquitoes. It, uh, often we, in golf in Saskatchewan, when mosquitoes are out, as you, you call it whack something else put in a swear word there. Um, but you're, you're trying to swat the flies. It's, it's swing, no follow through swat mosquitoes. <laughs> okay. So with all that being said, I, I'm missing the homeland. I'm missing getting back to Saskatchewan and I'm hopefully going to come out there this summer again, and maybe we'll get together, maybe a meetup group. Uh, maybe we'll get some investors together and break some bread, have a drink, maybe have some nachos, maybe a beer or two, maybe a Pilsner or two, since we're going back to Saskatchewan. Okay, guys. So I hope I got your attention with the opening teased for today's episode. Now, this one's going to be a two-part episode. It's from somebody that you have heard before, but we never really talked in the first episode. Way back, I think it was like episode five or six, I had an opportunity of sitting down with Cherry Chan, and we had a wonderful conversation about the CERB payments and the the interest-free loans from the government way back at the beginning of the pandemic. So like, you know, about two years ago. 
So in this conversation, Cherry and I, and I recorded this one a little while ago. So just as an FYI for everybody listening to this, uh, but the majority of the fundamentals, all 100% are intact. Now, here's a quick note for you is no matter what, when you hear any kind of a presentation or any kind of content or any kind of uh, podcast with an accountant or a bookkeeper or somebody is talking about tax, you, your situation will vary and your province will vary. Your jurisdiction will vary. Whether your, uh, your business structure will vary. Everything truly does vary. And I, I often joke that we, we called this episode at way back when we recorded it, we called it the, the, it depends episode, not those things that you wear if you're having some bladder leaks, but it depends. It depends on this. It depends on that. So there's some wonderful content, wonderful inspiration, wonderful information in this podcast that you will thoroughly get a lot of information from. But I just want you to know that taxes change, rules change, everything change. And honest to goodness, something that might be uh, applicable today, tomorrow might not be applicable. And every year the tax code completes it change, changes. That is why you have a professional. That is why you have an expert on your team. Okay, I'm not going to get too much into detail of the setup of this. Um, in the next episode after this, in episode 115, I got a little bit of a um, some content that I'm going to teach you is talking about the three levels of bookkeeping and accounting support. I'll do a little bit of teaching in there as well, but I've broke this episode into two. When you're having an accountant conversation, it's, it's deep, it's very meaty, it's very... Um, rich, very heavy rich in the materials that we cover. And sometimes after about a half an hour, it's almost like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, right? the old Charlie Brown's teacher complex. So I don't want to fatigue your earbuds too much with too much tax and accounting conversation. So I've done you a solid and I've broken it into two parts. Okay. So, but in this one, just for some, some, um, context in here. We talk about how to organize your life and organize your paperwork. We talked about some of the simple and easy to implement systems that you can put in place, especially when you're starting to report to capital partners. We talked about reporting. We talked about when you should report to CRA, when you should report to your partners. We talked about some differences between the income, the P&L statement, and the capital cost items, and so much more. So with all that being said, please help me welcome to the next two episodes Cherry Chan. All right, everybody, welcome back to the interview series. Um, I'm here with actually someone who I have known for a long time or have known of for yeah. a long time, but we officially probably just met this past weekend for the first time. Yeah, that was the first time we met. Officially, officially met. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so before I get into too much, uh, I'm trying to keep this really intro really short. Everybody, this is Cherry Chan. Cherry, welcome, welcome. Yeah. Good to see you. Good, <laughs> Good to see seeing you. you. Um, so guys, as you know through this interview series and this module that I'm building, mm -hmm. I, I call it like operational excellence. Yep. Right. I want um, you know treating it like a business. And my goal always is if someone came to your office to take a look at what's going on behind the scenes, behind the curtain, the yeah. wizard behind the curtain. Yeah. And what would they see? Would they be horrified with what's going on? Or would they actually be inspired to give you, a, uh, invest a million dollars with you? So, so Cherry is a, 
guess the best way to describe it is you're a, a, a an accounting uh, superhero, really, when it comes <laughs> to that. You, I've heard so many wonderful success stories. Oh, I I've love seen, that. I've seen some of the blog articles you've written, and they are just so on point. Um, specializing with real estate investors. Yeah, yeah. So we have a, a long thing of what we're going to get to, but in, in order to get some context, why don't you just um, maybe share with everybody um, some background story of who you are and you know your experience with real estate and also maybe what the bug, how did you get the bug of accounting mm -hmm. and also how you help people? Maybe start there. Awesome. Um, hi, everybody. My mm. name's Cherry. Um, I am a chartered accountant. I work specifically with real estate investors. Yeah. Um, the reason why I started this whole accounting practice is because I found that there is nothing um, out there that specializes in simplifying the Income Tax Act to help mm. um, real estate investor. Um, and because I'm also a real estate investor myself, mm -hmm. and I also have joint venture partners myself. Um, I want some easier solution out there. And that's that's also why yeah. I am doing the blog post to explain, to simplify things for everyday investor. Yeah, really, I guess you demystify accounting for real estate investors. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things is most investors, they get excited about the deal and mm -hmm. they get excited about buying properties and they get excited about the raising of the capital because they're entrepreneurs and they're yeah. ideas people and things like that. But then lo and behold, you actually have to fulfill upon it. And, and that's where most, and say, when I say most, I'm actually looking at myself in a mirror. <laughs> I stumble and I fall in the whole operational excellence to make sure that everything is taken care of. And when it comes to money partners, I've heard this time and again, the first step to a, a problem coming down always comes down to the books. The numbers. The yes. numbers, like yeah. the, the books aren't being kept up, things aren't uh, up and running and partners are going, why haven't I received my statements? Mm -hmm. That's usually the first sign that there's some cracks in yep. things that are happening. So yeah. our goal guys is to help alleviate that for you. So. You know, we can enter this conversation. This could almost be like a 10 module part, even though. Oh, itself. yeah, absolutely. So, so why don't we start the conversation here? Um, I think bookkeeping and accounting is really comes down to or being organized. Yep, absolutely. Um, so what would you say is some of the, the challenges you see of investors coming that are unorganized? And maybe we'll talk about some really good tips on to be organized within our office and our all the paperwork and stuff like that. So we'll start maybe with some problems you see mm -hmm. and maybe some stories we'll 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 hide the names to protect the innocent yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll talk about some maybe some best practices um so timely this yeah. whole in interview thing it's really timely because um i just had i just took on a real estate investor he's grown his uh joint venture portfolio from zero to 20 properties in under two years wow. and it was he was doing great um the challenge that the Maybe we can start with there because yep. it's a good, great example. Um, the challenge is that there is no separation of bank accounts. Uh, he collects, he's, a, he's the one that's responsible to collect all the rent and he deposit all the rent into his own corporation account. So he's doing the property management in essence too, yes, right? Okay. Yes, absolutely. He does everything and he deposits all the rent check in his own bank account. Every month, everyone is chasing him for money because the mortgage mm -hmm. and all the other bills are being paid by paid for in the investor, the money partner's account. Uh, I'm, sh I'm not yeah. sure money partner is the term that you use, but the money partner's yes. account. So yeah, I use typically real estate expert yeah. and money partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then my uh, client, 
is having a hard time keeping up. There's 20 properties and he's in the acquiring mall. He's like, every time he talks to someone, he probably, that person would probably become uh, a partner. Yep. And so he keeps growing and growing. There's no system built in the back end and there are receipts everywhere. His bookkeeper is chasing him and he has no time because he's an entrepreneur. He's a visionary. He's mm -hmm. out there getting business. Mm -hmm. His mind is growing the business and there's nothing, no one can keep up with him. And so these receipts are lying around and he doesn't even know what they're for. Yeah. And he keeps paying the investor based on essentially just an estimate. Oh, wow. Yeah, like yeah. so we know the mortgage payment, we know possibly the property property taxes this amount and we deduct all that and then we pay them. Wow. We, like that's how he structured everything. And I we are just playing the catch up game. Yeah. And then we will then set, uh, sit down and essentially do a JV structure and help yes. him to get to where he's supposed to be. Okay, well, <laughs> I know as soon as you mentioned the term receipts everywhere. Yeah. A lot of people watching this right now, they probably just had a yeah. one of those, ooh, she's looking at our she's looking at my <laughs> office. <laughs> right? So yeah. so so guys, it, it's it's okay. It is where it is. We're all at we're we're are where we are. And some of you going, yeah, she's talking my language. Some people just pride themselves on being organized to the nth degree. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I know uh, my wife 100 percent That's her thing, is everything has a place and everything in its place. Mm -hmm. And it drives her nuts when it's not. And you know, we'll be. I'll be honest. I'm. I make a mess with things, and my wife is sometimes left to clean it up. And sometimes it causes issues. It, it causes some anxiety, and it causes some some um, the plate way of putting some heated discussions. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? so, so so I hear you guys. We're all we're all in the same boat. So okay. So let's use that one person as a case example. Oh, uh, sure. Case study. So, um, so in one avenue. 100, a success, couple years, 20 properties, yeah. raised a lot of money Absolutely. on the outwards looking in, that's a success. But if you actually look behind the curtain, it's probably, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a little it's, bit of a mess. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so what, what steps are you taking with that person to help them get um, get themselves organized? So what would be, so walk me through the steps that you're doing. So the number one thing that we always recommend to our clients with uh, joint venture partner are, is to set up a separate bank account. Right. So you don't have to go to the degree of setting up um, one bank account per property, mm -hmm. but you could go into the degree of setting one joint venture account, one bank account with joint account with your um, joint venture partner. Right, like so one account per partnership yes, in yes, essence. Okay. absolutely. Do you have a, a favorite bank account that you like to use or recommend or is it just kind of the personal choice? Are there ones that are more friendlier than others or what do you, do you have a, ch a choice? I am super busy. So yeah. to me, time is value. So yeah. to me, it has to be um, one bank, that yeah. ba the bank that I always bank with. Okay. So then I can do the transfers just by clicking a few buttons myself. So, so one bank, but then within that one bank, you can have multiple accounts. Exactly. Like yeah. I know Royal does that. Yeah. There are many ben different banks that do yeah, those kind yeah. of things. So for That's me, brilliant. It's, yeah, yeah. For me, it's just Scotiabank. I use it. Right. Not that I endorse them by any like any mean because they've made a lot of mistakes too. It's just for convenience sake. Right. Yeah. Okay. So first tip uh, to get started is one bank account per joint venture partnership. Exactly. Okay, what's the, yeah. what's the next thing to clean it up a bit? Well, the next thing is to to essentially transfer all the auto uh, auto uh, withdrawal. Yeah. So whether it's utilities, whether it's property tax, whether it is mortgage payment to the uh, particular joint account 
that you share with the joint venture partner. Yes. So you transfer everything in there. So everyone has the visibility. We know how much money is coming out. Mm -hmm. High visibility, I'm assuming, is yeah. one of the key factors to successful joint venture relationship. Yeah. Transparency, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so then now you get everything on auto deductions. Yep. Like, and, and But make sure it's going out of the right accounts. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, based upon the properties. Okay, so we get all that set up. What would be a next step after that? So when the rents come in, for sure, we will set up. Uh, I personally have, um, as, uh, I use a service, and I'm sure there are many out there, but I use an app called Pluto. That Pluto? I, yeah, uh, Pluto. Okay. Make note of that one. I'm going to check that one out myself. <laughs> so essentially, they will. Um, I send a request to my tenant to do mm -hmm. automate uh, auto withdrawal, right. and it costs me one dollar oh, to geez. set that up. Okay. Yeah. So every transaction costs me a dollar, yeah. and um, I set it up once uh, at the beginning of the term, and assume it, it lasts for ten months, eleven mm -hmm. months, because you always collect first and last at the beginning. So right. you set it up and then you can set it and forget it. Every month um, on the second or the third, you get an email from Pluto saying that, well, we got your money. Nice, those are nice emails. Or yeah. those are nice, you can actually probably have a notification on yep. your phone. Yep. Yep. It is nice when you're sitting there and you get a ding, oh, just got some money today. <laughs> exactly, so then they also put it directly into your bank account right. for you. Obviously, you have to be careful when you have 20 joint venture uh, mm -hmm. properties, you may have 10, 10 joint venture partners and you have 10 mm -hmm. bank accounts, so be careful which bank account you're setting up the right. automatic. So just a little bit of time and attention and intention up front. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so you've got every you've got this case study, you've got them now organized, a little mm -hmm. bit more organized and and you've got uh, all the outgoing taken care of on as much yep. as auto as you can. Then you have the incoming now taken care of through yep. automation. Yeah. Um, What's what would be a, a logical next step to get that person um, up and running to get them running smooth? So the next thing is to um, right now we're working on it, but uh, the next thing is to make sure that you have um, a proper to me it's online bookkeeping system right. but you can also hire a bookkeeper uh, we do the online uh, we use online quickbook just right. for the fact that it could sync to um, your bank account directly um, so when you do that you can reconcile your bank account on mm -hmm. a monthly basis so to a certain extent i would say 80 to 90 percent of your um ins and outs are already done yeah once you reconcile your bank account on a monthly basis okay so now you you've got you've got everything taken now you're now setting up the books and yeah. you're setting up the record keeping yep, exactly so that's the next so then what about um uh, what would be a next step after that of getting someone so the... now these are the bare bone right and then that's obvious, bare minimum yeah bare minimum yeah uh, then there is also obviously all these other stuff that's yeah. going on like it needs repairs or the tenant's not paying yeah, and all these extra, all those receipts yeah all these other receipts yeah. and obviously even with property taxes and insurance you need to have the receipts if you ever get audited by CLA yeah. they don't care what you do they don't care how it's structured they want to see the receipt yeah when in doubt throw it out is their model yeah, yes exactly <laughs> um so um so what I would suggest in mm -hmm. today's um in today's uh, technology world, like t the technological um, uh, advantage world, you can set up a share file, share mm -hmm. folder. Yeah. Uh, it could be Dropbox, it, uh, it could be Google Drive, uh, it could be Microsoft OneDrive. Essentially, you share the same common um, folder with your joint venture partner. Right. So when they receive the property, teach them, educate them, mm -hmm. 
uh, educate their responsibility. When they receive the annual mortgage statement, upload a copy there. Mm -hmm. When they receive the property tax bill, upload a copy there. Yeah. Because both of you, because you're, I'm assuming the money partner would own 50% and the um, joint, uh, the real estate expert would also own 50%. Yeah. You each are responsible to report 50% of the income and expenses and mm -hmm. you each would need a copy of the receipt to right. do that. But we're going to get to that in the reporting. Mm -hmm. uh, I have that as a note. It's funny, actually, a no. question just came in on the private Facebook group oh. about exactly that of if I own a property 70, 30, do, what do I, and it's, it's we're, we will get there. Yeah. So so really, you've got this person now from, from uh, receipts everywhere yep. to now you've got them organized with all the outgo, separate bank accounts, all the ins are coming in. Then you have a Dropbox folder. So I, highly, I imagine you recommend a good scanner would be probably yep. a good investment. Um, or yes, a picture. Or even what, picture how, because there's now scan app. Yeah. And you can just use the app to take picture and it could sync directly to your Dropbox as far mm -hmm. as I know. I'm currently not using Dropbox. Mm -hmm. I use a system that's similar to Dropbox and Dropbox is what I recommend yeah. myself. Yeah. Now, um, Side note, just a side question. Um, CRA accepts digital copies now, do they not? Yeah, they yeah. do. So, they do. yeah, that's a lot of people think that you have to have the paper and have to have the receipt, but this now changed. Yeah. And that's just fairly recent, I believe. Yeah. Like, you I know, think for example, year. you know, if you have a gas receipt, what does a gas receipt look like from seven years ago? Oh. You, can't, can't, you can't recognize it, right? I guess <laughs> gas receipt is not even as common. It's yeah. Home Depot receipt and Lowe's receipt. Those yeah. fade mm -hmm. really, really quickly. Yeah. I don't even know why. Now, now I'm just going to say this, and this is only from my, my perspective perspective because mm. this is how I set my business up and everybody's different. Mm -hmm. What you described was a little bit more of a self-management, mm -hmm. which is totally fine. I don't, I have nothing against self-management, but that's actually one of the reasons why I use a property manager mm -hmm. because all those repair bills and all those invoices and all those other receipts and the, the heating and the utility accounts and all that kind of stuff, my property manager actually t takes care of that. Mm -hmm. So they actually give me a report at the end of the month. Yep. And all I have to do is to my bookkeeper is here's the report yeah. And here's the bank account. Yeah. And truly with seven memorized transactions, yeah. one push of the button and almost your books are almost done for the month. Absolutely. Right. So the key here is set up some sort of system between yeah. your property manager and your yeah. bookkeeper and yourself. And again, in today's technology, everything yeah. is on the cloud. So yeah. you would want to set it up on the cloud so you can access it. Your bookkeeper can access it and your property manager uh, manager would know where to send it to, yeah. and and yeah. you're good to go. Now, now at, at the end of the day, that comes at a cost of the property manager yeah, to yeah, cost. So, so I, I'm not advocating one way or the other. All I'm saying is understand how much time you have. Like a person with 20 properties, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know if they have a full time job or if they're just this is their full time business he, now. Or, it's it's his full time business right, right. now. Yeah. yeah, so he may have time. But but here's the thing: I would challenge with that person if he was sitting here, as I say, maybe what what is being left on the table of opportunities if you're doing all this. Oh, absolutely. Right? Or just the mess. Sometimes you have those messes that just sit there, that just weigh on you, that that you have to get to, and it just it, it takes up emotional energy. Yeah. Right? And I guess the worst conversation that I could have with any of my clients is that once um, the, my staff do all the books and there's a bunch of ins and outs, and we sit down across from the clients, mm -hmm. and the clients, are, he doesn't know. He doesn't know what these ins and outs are for. And then it would be too late because it happened two years ago. 
Oh, yeah, and and nothing, you know, guys. What we talk about all the time with uh, money partners is it's the trust. Yeah, right. Is one of the most important. And remember, they're investing in you. They're investing in their trust in you. And all it takes is you know for them to ask about three or four questions. And if you feel like you're scrambling and just don't have the answers yeah. and you're not on top of it, it just slowly just starts eroding the trust and things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. So so I I think the, to suffice it to say everything we've talked about. It lands, everybody goes, I know I should be doing it, I know I should be doing it, I know I should be doing it. Yeah. It's one of those, yeah, 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 okay. But sometimes we don't do it. What are some of your tips in order to help us get organized with with the receipts, with, you know, is it just a matter of just setting aside the time or just making it a priority? What, what do you tell people to do if somebody just says, I'm just, I just can't do this, I can't organize myself to do it? If you can't, um as a minimum, you need to have an envelope. Okay, and it's as simple as it gets. So you um, envelope and a pen, I would yeah. say. Like uh, if you go to Home Depot and you pick up uh, a few things for one property, write it down for that property's address yeah. and put it in the envelope. And at the end of the month, pass it on to a bookkeeper. Hire out. Right. You don't have to do everything all by yourself. And yeah. I think uh, right now I'm listening to the book uh, E-Myth. Um, Michael Gerber? Yeah. yeah. He, he talks about that all the time. You can't be everybody at the same time. There are yeah. so many roles in your business and you, your, your goal is to grow. Yes. And it, you just cannot do everything. So what does a typical bookkeeper service run type of thing? Uh, depends. Right yeah. now um, there... So let's go back to the 20-person property. So something yep. like that... If they were to outsource their bookkeeping, what would that be as a, a tip? Like tip, I know it all depends on, on, on yeah. level of reporting and stuff. But just to say a bare bones entry bookkeep, just to enter things in. Once it's uh, so, so I'm gonna back up. Um, <laughs> you must have it professionally set up. Mm-hmm. I think we need to address that. Yeah. Because that's the one of the biggest mistakes I made. And and here, understand this. I have a bachelor of commerce. I even have. So you understand numbers. I, I ha- actually did a lot of accounting Mm -hmm. and I have a marketing finance and general business degree. And I thought I could do my own bookkeeping and accounting and stuff like that to start. So I set my own books up at the beginning and don't get me wrong, it was my, it cost me more, cost me more to get them redone right yep. than based upon what I thought was the right way. Oh yeah. So maybe let's start with this. How should somebody set up their accounts? Is that something? Do you have like a template or something like that, or what? How do you do? We do. Um, in well, I can only speak from um, the software that we are currently yeah. using, which is QuickBooks Online and QuickBooks yeah. Desktop. Um, the way that we set it up is that we would have um, one. Um, we would track income and expenses per yeah. property. Um, that's how you should set it up um, because yeah. that helps you to report to your joint venture partner later on as well. Um, we set it up the rental income, subtract all the expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I know mortgage payment is one big thing because you can break yeah. down the mortgage payment between mortgage principal and mortgage interest. But we book it together, lump sum together at the beginning of the year. During the year on a monthly basis. So essentially, once you click a few buttons, you will be able to know Mm -hmm. that that property is in and out. A cash flow, it's there, right there. And then at the end of the year, we will do an adjustment to adjust the principal to um, the liability side. Um, Do you subscribe to setting up the accounts that mirror, and I probably will get the number wrong, the T776? 
Some, yes. Like if yeah. you actually just, so here's the thing, yeah, is yeah, if absolutely. you actually kind of mirror the same names and stuff, yes. it, it makes it really easier for, uh, to, to, some, oh, yeah. to, to some extent, yeah, yeah, you absolutely. would want to match that, yeah, yeah. right? Um, is, and it's the T776E. It is T776E. Is there six. a seven, six? Um, I don't think there is an E. No E? Maybe well, no. in for English. Yeah. For English. Yes, yes. <laughs> So, <laughs> seven, seven, six, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the, what I was told from the beginning is we kind of want to mirror that because it makes it easier to to line things up and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a couple of accounts that are not there, like for mm -hmm. example, line of credit interest. Yes. Um, if you, for those of you who deduct home office in, uh, expense is not there, mm -hmm. so those are the minor things that are not there. So just and re and typically. Um, Renovations isn't isn't typically there as well. It's yeah. they have a maintenance line, I believe, yeah. a maintenance line. But it, and that's we can honestly get into the whole conversation about um, capital costing versus uh, repairs and repairs maintenance. and maintenance yeah. too. That's another. We'll get into that yeah, for sure. sure. Um, okay, so what I'm going to do here very quickly is I just want to reset the camera um, quickly. Uh, truth be told, I forgot to turn the screen. Guys, I forgot to turn the screen out that shows me the time. So I, I hope we haven't run out on this first segment. So we're going we're gonna to come back right back here with Cherry Chan and we're going to keep diving into in this next segment. We're, we're actually going to get into um, some best practice. So we've got everybody kind of organized right mm -hmm. now. This next segment, we're going to talk about some best practices of reporting to your money partners. Mm -hmm. And we've started that conversation already, yeah. but we're going to talk about some reporting to money partners and then also reporting to our, our other stakeholder being yeah. uh, uh, Ottawa. CLA. Yeah, yeah, CRA. Okay, CLA. so yeah. we'll be right back. Hey everybody, I'm sure hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just wanted to take a quick pause to today's show and share with you a key real estate team member to help you grow your real estate portfolio. When it comes to funding your income properties, it is critical to take a strategic approach versus a traditional transactional approach to your financing. In order to grow, you will need access to capital. And if you're feeling like you've hit the wall with mortgage qualification, I'd encourage you to speak with one of the team members at Streetwise Mortgages. They've helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios and also brand new investors get into the game of real estate investing. Book a time with them to have a custom created financing roadmap. On top of the financing roadmap, you'll receive a summary report on the best 18 Ontario markets to invest your money. To book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, please email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's info at streetwisemortgages.com. There'll be a link in the show notes below. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Uh, we're actually here in... Um, Really cool office. We're at the Rockstar Realty Brokerage yep. out here in, uh, this would be Oakville. Oakville. But Oakville. Beautiful mm -hmm. Oakville. Beautiful, beautiful area. Um, this is where Irwin, you're, so, so FYI, you know, I, I, I'm coming to the conclusion that maybe uh, Irwin should be saying that he's, you know, Cherry Chan's husband more than more than the other way around, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes he nicknamed himself Mr. Cherry Chan. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so um, uh, bookkeeping, uh, and, and you're more than just a bookkeeper. You're, you're actually a strategist. You're, you're a tax planner. Mm -hmm. you, you offer the whole whole, yep. whole nine yards with people. So so now we, we've ran through the first segment. We ran through kind of just a little case study of somebody yep. who's a little bit of a mess. Now, I hope um, nobody <laughs> I hope nobody has the same situation. But if you do, you've got a, a, at least there was at least five or six steps to get there. Oh, now, yeah. now the person is... They've got folders, they've got envelopes, and they've got separate bank accounts, and they have the ins and outs being tracked via mm -hmm. bookkeeping. Yeah. 
fantastic. That's a good place. Um, now, when you have money partners, there is a next level of um, reporting. reporting that you mm -hmm. have to do because you have to report to another person too. Yeah. So what are some of the mistakes that people make um, in reporting to their joint venture partners? And, and maybe then we'll reverse it and we'll talk about some best practices at the same time. Um, what I've found is that I've, I've worked with both. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with uh, money partners and I also work with um, the real estate expert. Mm -hmm. uh, what I've seen from the money partner side is that um, to a certain extent, um, all, you, I, all I would be able to see is uh, from the report that I see, all I would be able to see is income and expenses. Um, but there are there could be things that are missed on the income and expenses. So I would get a report from QuickBook, uh, a QuickBook mm -hmm. report. It could be any other accounting software, yep. but it could be a QuickBook report, and it says income and expenses. And and then where is the bank? Where is um, the capital improvement that may, you mm -hmm. made um, as the money partner? Part, money partner also own fifty percent of yep. the um, the property. Where is the other half? Like, where is the rest of it? Like, that's really the biggest thing that I've seen. Yeah. And one of the, would you agree, one of the big challenges a lot of people see is a lot of people mistake cash flow versus uh, a prof, a P&L. Oh, that too. Right? Yes. Because, yeah. because if you look at just the bank, that's just the cash flow, right? Cash mm -hmm. in, cash out. But then when you look at the P&L, at the end of a year, it's going, well, what the heck? There's a lot more profit here than yeah. what showed of cash flow. Oh, that too. Absolutely. And what, yeah. what is that? What's the typically the differences there, right? Well, number one thing is obviously the mortgage principal, yes. mortgage payment versus mortgage um, what what you can actually deduct. Mm -hmm. So you can deduct mortgage interest, yep. even though you're making a mortgage principal plus interest, uh, it's usually a blended payment in Canada. Yep. Yep. Um, so your cash flow would naturally be smaller than what your um, net income would be. Right. Now the second difference- well, the, the, And then the, the unfortunate thing is we pay tax on the P&L, on the income, not on the, on income. the cash yes. flow, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And then the second difference is that if you have a huge rental and you think, oh, I spent so much, on yeah. the property. There's so much expense. I must be getting a huge refund. So don't worry, I won't file tax up on time. <laughs> and that's often a mistake right. uh, because a lot of the expenses may not be deductible as you think. Right. They're, mm -hmm. they're a capital improvement. They're well, capital let's, improvement. let's talk about that then because mm -hmm. we've mentioned it about three times. What is, what is the simplest way you can describe um, capital improvement versus a now, is the terminology uh, current expense, or mm -hmm. is that is that the correct yeah, yeah. term? Okay. Current what is expense. what's the best way to describe that? Um, I know, I know, I, I can tell you already. As a real estate investor, everything's a current expense, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's our that's our, our first that's our first default position. Everything's oh, yes. an expense. Yes, hundred percent. But that ain't true. <laughs> right? yeah. So what's the what's the uh, what's the professional's opinion on that? The right answer. Um, is actually six criteria on CLA's website. Oh, <laughs> <Yes>. do, do tell. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to simplify it using okay. example. I think okay. it's the easiest. Um, we're in this conference room and we have carpet here. Okay. So if you are replacing carpet with carpet, generally speaking, it is a repair. Okay. So replacement with the same quality stuff is a repair. Up to the original standard of yes. material type. Yeah, okay? absolutely. Yep. Now, um, but then there are exceptions. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, CIA doesn't want to make our lives easier. Now, um, the carpet that 
you um, that you replace for a brand new house that you not brand new house a, a resale home that you just purchased and you wanted to you want to fresh it up before you rent it out and tra- attract be- better tenants. That's mm-hmm. all we want to do. Um, the money that you spend on getting the house ready for rent, uh, whether it is repairing, uh, sorry, replacing the carpet, repainting the wall, those would be considered re- uh, capitalized item. Right. So you've, you've it's not in essence, you have improved the quality of the property more so than the original state yeah. it was in. Yes. That's the, the way it was described to me. And guys, this is why I have, that's why I talk to very smart people uh, on these things, because I, left to my own dev- our own device, we'd make bad decisions. <laughs> oh, like it's, it's really complicated in a way that they also look at the timing. If you can, some people would come to me and say, like, can I just not do any repairs at this moment? and do it between tenancy or mm-hmm. after the tenants start living there. Like, yeah, that could be one way to look at it. You can do your replacement of carpet like a year in. Mm-hmm. So really it comes down to the, in, the intent, right? Yeah. Intent of, are you replacing it to the standard that it was before mm-hmm. or are you upgrading it to, yeah. but then does, does then that get really complicated that, okay, let's say we'll use the carpet in, analogy that let's say we're going with a premium vinyl plank flooring. Yeah. Do I get to write off as an expense what a carpet would cost and then no. the difference gets capitalized? Or? No, no, creative, thanks. Well, <laughs> I get those questions all the time, especially from my husband, by the way. Um, but no, unfortunately, you will have to capitalize the whole item. Right, now what is capitalizing? What does that mean? Like for somebody, maybe it's, everybody's at different levels, right? Some mm-hmm. people really, really know what I mean. Some people might be just, I've heard this term, but I'm not sure. What is, what is it typical? What does that typically mean? So I have to explain it in a little bit more detail yeah, please, because it, it, it's a little complicated. So the way it works is that, um, let's just go back to repairs. Okay. Now, if it is something that you consider as repair expenses, repla- re- replacing the carpet with carpet, you spend a few thousand dollars yep. on it, um, you expense it, and it's in between tenancy, you didn't get the house and just replace it. So yep. it's purely 100% repairs. Right. The tax impact on it is that you will um, report the write-off against your income, dollar yep. for dollar. 100% that, in yep. that taxable year. Exactly, okay. in that year. Yep. Yep. So if you report in your personal name and if you have a loss, that loss goes against your employment income, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and you, it reduce your, it, it can trigger a tax refund mm-hmm. um, based on your marginal tax rate. Right. Now, let's come back a little bit. That's repair, 100% deductible. Yeah. That's, why, that's why all real estate investors want everything to be repaired. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, if you are talking about a joint venture for long-term buy and hold property, yeah. so it's considered a, an investment, a, in tax term is considered capital property. Right. Now, when it is capital property, CLA allows you to um, depreciate the property, which we will get into okay. in a little bit. Now, so if it is a capital property and the replacement of carpet with a vinyl plank floor, um, now it's improvement. So right. improvement means that it has to be added to the cost of the building. Right. Added as part of your capital property investment. Okay. So that $2,000 that you spend or $3,000 that you spend, you add it to um, the cost of your purchase of the building. Right. And all of a sudden, you are only allowed to claim capital cost allowance. Right. So so just in, in just using round, round numbers, let's say we bought a $400,000 exactly. place mm-hmm. and 
it was on the books at four, a purchase price of 400,000. Yep. We put $5,000 worth of premium vinyl plank yep. flooring. Then now the purchase price of the property is now 405,000. Yeah, that's right? the tax cost. Yeah, okay. Now, let's not get into capital cost allowance, my bad, but yeah. let's get into the tax impact. That $405,000, it's not like it's not deductible, it is deductible. Mm -hmm. But when you sell it five years from now for 505,000, yes. then the difference is the gain, the profit that you make, yeah. $100,000, only 50% is taxable. Right. So, which on the reverse, if you look at it, um, only 50% of your 5,000 that you spend right. is deductible. Right. I don't know if that... Yeah, that makes 100%. So, so that's why a lot of people in the rental properties, things mm -hmm. will typically improve it just mm -hmm. before they sell it. Yep. Typically. Yep. Right. Um, because, That's also one of the exceptions. Right. Okay. What, do, <laughs> do tell. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, please. Well, here, here's the thing, guys. That's uh, this. It is a deep rabbit hole. Like, okay. Yeah, for, it for, is. For, for for context, how many pages is the Tax Act in Canada? If it was a if it was a book. I I honestly don't know, yeah. but. I myself wrote four blog posts just on repairs and maintenance. And, okay. Yeah. It, it like each blog post is about a thousand uh, words long. Yeah. And that's just your interpretation exactly. of just many different rabbit holes that can go down. Yeah. And then there are court cases later on that I wrote on right. just repairs and maintenance. It's such a huge topic. People, if it's worth the money, people yeah. would fight with CLA. And maybe we can go into a little bit of the court case that happened last year. No, let's do it. Let's, let's, oh. every, everybody loves court cases <laughs> and everybody wants to, to I, learn some of these these insights. I don't remember the exact dollar million, uh, yeah. the, the dollar value, but it is multi-million dollar. Um, uh, a large real estate investment company deducted a roof repairman as as a repair expense. It's multi-million. I think it's around three, four million dollars right. as a one-time expense. Okay. And they probably would have argued it was like we put the roof in it's exactly the same roof that was there and yeah it has been repairs yeah. and yeah. everything yeah. and of course if you get that repairs and the company is a huge real estate company so what it means is that you're probably subject to 26 percent tax rate 26 percent on three million dollars mm -hmm. even on two million dollars is five hundred thousand it's a quite a bit of money yes. tax saving yeah. um so CLA comes in and say, hey, this is not repair. This is not, this is a capitalized item. Whatever CLA doesn't like, obviously, yeah. they're going to go to the court. Yeah. And because the money at stake, um, the taxpayer can afford to go to court with CLA. Right. And they subsequently won this case. Okay. Yeah. So, and, 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 but it's an expensive process to go down that road. Oh, yes. Yeah. So during the court case, um, there is a structural engineer that come on um, mm -hmm. as a witness. The CEO came on as witness. Um, the prior all years, all, well, they've been repairing the, the, the same roof for the last yep. 10 years. Right. And finally, this year, they decided to make the change and pay by the bullet. Yep. Um, so all these people come down and argue. Um, essentially, the court set, set goal with the angle that after replacing the roof, it's the roof of the parking lot yeah. of a residential, two residential tower <laughs> in Peterborough. Okay. So that roof did not improve um, the number of parking spots 
okay. number. Of, so there is no increase in revenue. Right. Uh, it doesn't look better even when you go down to the parking lot. Wow. So they go down to that level and say, well, there's no improvement in terms of revenue and everything. Mm -hmm. And even though the repairs on its own is a large sum to most people, yeah. uh, but because um, it is only a small percentage, percentage, I think it's about six, seven percent of the entire um, building's replacement cost. So it's not that substantial from the court's angle. And that's the reason why the court sided with the taxpayer. Wow. Well, it, and here's the how maybe twisted is not the right word to use, but but so everything's built upon interpretations. Yep. Right. And not only that, but you think you could be following 100% the letter of the interpretation. And if, and this isn't a BAS CRA, but maybe we will, <laughs> but they can just go and say, yeah, we, it's a, we have a completely different interpretation on that. And they could throw out something just, just for the sake of going fishing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, so, so what I tell you, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off here, but no. what I tell people is don't be afraid to take a position, but like where you'll be at worst is if you get wishy-washy and actually don't take a position. Take a position based upon what you think is the right interpretation, mm -hmm. and it might get thrown out. It might, who knows? But at least you're going to defend your position yep. based upon sound interpretations. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, yeah. so, and that's why you want to have people like Cherry on your team, <laughs> just to 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 give you to bounce off interpretations. I imagine you have conversations with people all the time. Of okay, I'm about to do this. Um, what things do I need to? Well, case in point. Here's a case in point. Yep. This um, Saturday, we were having. Um, lunch after a conference yep. and some people were doing Airbnb, Yep. right? Some Airbnb short-term rentals, which is a completely different realm of things and probably even the tax realm because it's yeah. so new. Yeah, different animal. Yeah, people were asking, well, <laughs> when do I start charging HST or do I charge HST? At what point do I have to remit or am I losing out in 13% and all those kind of different things. So it changes all the time, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they also see how it does help us to yeah. Uh, interpret all these new things yeah. and obviously the hardest thing last year, late last year was the cryptocurrency and they yeah. released a couple of interpretation at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Um, with Airbnb, under 20 days you would yeah. have to charge. And, and and the point I was I was making was how, have a, a cherry on your team, a cherry, the cherry on top. Right? <laughs> yes, yes. You should have like, should be, that should be your That's logo easy, or something. Yeah. The bookkeeping cherry on top on the top oh, of the sun. That's Sunday. a good name. Huh? Yeah. Uh, and um, and here's the thing, and, and you know you don't have to go as far as what Irwin did and marry a good accountant, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, just having you on your on the team because the advice you gave was just golden to the people sitting at that table. Right? Oh yeah, it was yeah, yeah. it was just. Um, 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 you, where you gave them some, and then you just started quoting the act and things like that. And so the point I'm trying to get to is have a, a professional that can oh, that you can bounce things off of before plowing ahead and doing things. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So the next thing I want to talk about is um, so we've talked about um, money partners and reporting to money partners. What do you <laughs> what do you typically recommend on a frequency to sending reports to money partners? Um, it is a communication yeah. uh, process and setting up the expectation as well. Um, yeah. Typically, I recommend uh, every half year. Right. Um, and also every time that you make some big um, investment. So, for example, if you're about to legalize the basement mm -hmm. and you are about to spend 50000 and that, those are the time that you really need to do the communication. Um, 
and I believe in communication a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that I would caution people is that um, depending on your joint venture partner's ownership structure, yep. uh, you, you may own it in your corporation, but the joint venture partner may own their portion of the property in their personal name. Your corporation may have a different year end compared to your joint venture partner. So just be mindful of these things and your reporting period could be more often, more frequent than you would have expected. Right. Or you will have to change around to accommodate mm -hmm. both. Right, so would a, would a a best case practice be at minimum, you just need to have reporting for tax year ends yep. mm -hmm. and then back up just like every six months. Mm -hmm. Depending on, you know, everybody's a little different. Everybody, usually what you'll find at the beginning of a relationship, you'll you'll report a little bit more, yep. right? Maybe every quarter. Mm -hmm. And then as years go by and the trust comes by, gets, keeps going, then maybe it becomes every six months. I, I don't recommend every year, yep. but but at a worst case scenario, it has to be once a year, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, at a yeah, worst yeah. case scenario. Um, what What's a typical uh, report that you send to a money partner that you see that maybe you prepare something for what, or you've seen or maybe what you do for your own money partners? Mm -hmm. what do, what's a typical report you give to them? So um, a typical report that we recommend our yeah. client to do is um, a monthly cash flow, um, more like a cash flow statement. Right. So you would be able to see all the ins and outs. Right. Um, at the bottom of it, you will see all the capital investment that mm -hmm the joint venture made. So yep. it could be doing a legal secondary suite yep. renovation, and it could be replacing a new roof. And you would also be able to see the money coming in. There would be a line for money coming in, yep. capital injection from each partner for that particular month. So you have a clear picture of everything yep. on one piece of paper. Now, does, um, does QuickBooks do a good job with a cash flow statement? Does, uh, I've, I've, I've and yep. maybe it's just the the people I'm working with, but it's often it's clumsy. It looks it looks it does. I don't think it does a great job. Yeah. And you almost have to put it into an Excel spreadsheet to then back to add you know to take out the pay down and stuff like. Does does QuickBooks do a good cash flow? The statement? the QuickBooks online version okay. does do a, a good enough a job okay. for the purpose of reporting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so you would recommend um, you know a cash flow statement? Do you yep. recommend a P and L? Yeah. So. The way it works is that you will, in my own perfect little mm -hmm. imagination here, yeah. uh, it would be the P&L at the top. So you would have a net income yeah. and then underneath it, it, you would adjust for the cash item. So yeah. you would deduct the principal uh, of your mortgage payment. You would also deduct all the capital investment that you made. Yeah. And you would also deduct, um, sorry, not deduct, uh, record all the investment that yeah. the money partner or the, yeah. uh, the joint venture partner put in. Now, would you happen to have, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm hopefully not putting you on the spot. Would yeah. you happen to have an example of, of a report that, even it could be fictitious, it, yeah, right? In, yeah, in my, com, in my computer, yes. Okay, yeah. is that something that maybe I could ask you to yeah, send yeah, to me and yeah, we'll just absolutely. include it with this as some, some notes for people, just as like a gold standard of the reporting things that people oh. have. And, you know, and, and just as a course of, of practice, um, I highly recommend that you you include some other things in there, like yep. the performance of the property, yep. um, some of the demographics, and, yep, and yep, some yep. of the economics, and just yep. and it could be a two three page document at most. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, the second part of it would be um, your 
purchase. So for an accountant, I'm purely speaking from an accountant point of view. But you're also a real estate investor very heavily too, right? Yes, yes. So um, I would also have a reporting on keeping track of the capital cost that Mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier, because it would come in handy when you need to sell your property, when you are selling your property from your personal name to the corporation's name. So those are the information that we would also report in. So when you do a capital investment to legalize a basement, that's $50,000 gone. It should really be reported as an addition to the to your building. Right. Yeah. There's the one thing that's also, do you, do you separate out um, um, capital you know, contributions? Like, let's say, for example, when we record it, you know, yep. we're buying a property together. Mm-hmm. And yep. I, as the real estate expert, I'll, I'll maybe I'll put $5,000 yeah, 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 up yeah, front yeah. for some expense, but you're putting in a hundred. Yep. And then it gets recorded there. And then maybe if we do a cash call, we just have to put another 10 in. Yep. You, you separate, you would want to separate that yeah. all. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you should have that reported too for people. Oh, absolutely. Right. Okay. Mm. Okay. So now we've, we've reported, and let's just say it's every six months. We've got a little template that we send to investors. Um, is there anything that, um, any thing that we want to be aware of, or is there any pitfalls that some people that just overlook in that reporting to their money partners that you're aware of? Mm, what I, well, from what I've seen yeah. it, within my clientele is that um, the reporting generally does not include like, from an investor point of view, like, mm-hmm. well, if I'm the money partner, I would yeah. want to know, hey, like if I were to sell the part to the property today, yeah. or it has appreciated for this much. Right. So more of from an investor point of view, yeah. whether there's return on investment, um, because you have a cash invested. Yeah. So if I so, were to sell. So really, um, and I know accounting software doesn't do a good job with balance no. sheets. No. Like there's, there's, there's an accounting balance sheet and then there's a marketing balance yep. sheet, yep. right? Because typically you don't, on the on the accounting balance sheet, you don't record what the value of the property is. No. Right? We record only at the purchase cost. At the purchase cost. And it's and, silly and, yes. at times. <laughs> and, and, and it just it doesn't do a, a, a good job. So really just even just a, a, a small Excel spreadsheet with just estimated value, less, you know. Mortgage. Mortgage, less investments in. Yeah. 50-50 split, here's yeah. your return, here's my return, and you know, yeah, return steady as she goes. Exactly. Right, okay, so that's those are fantastic yeah. things as well. So, um, okay, so we're gonna talk next about, um, <laughs> some people might think arguably the more important stakeholder in the whole thing, and, but, and it's, it's, it's the tax department. Yep. Um, what, um, what are some of the things that people get tripped up when reporting this to with their money partners and then eventually doing taxes at the same time? Um, Maybe I'm gonna ask the question differently. Um, I'm gonna do this as an example. So we each, we own the property again, Mm 50-50. Do I give you a statement that Mm has 100% of the ins and outs and things like that? Or do I just give you 50% of the statement? How How do, how do you report it as the money partner and how do I report it as the real estate expert? Okay, so 
let's just assume that we're talking about traditional deal that yeah. I put all 100% in yes. and you are the real estate expert. Yeah. Um, but where each would entitle to uh, 50% of yes, the ownership. Yes, we have a beneficial yeah. interest of 50% yeah. each. Yeah. yeah, so I would, as the money partner, I would report 50% of the income and expenses and I also own 50% of the property. So I would also report 50% of the property in my tax return. Okay, so should I give you a spreadsheet that gives you the 100% and then do a deduction of 50 and then you just take the line that says 50? That uh, I would- Give both? Get both. Yeah. I would, to be honest, I would just get the 100% okay. and make sure that you also submit the joint venture agreement with your um, to your accountant when mm -hmm. they do your right. uh, tax return and make sure that your accountant is aware of the other ownership interests. Um, in the software, all we do is that we take 100% on the property, 100% income and expenses, and we recorded that um, I have a money partner that owns 50%. Yep. So we would be able to take out the 50%. Okay. Um, does it, now, is it just, now that was a 50-50, if mm. it was 70-30, is that the exact same? Yeah, exact same Exact thing. same process. Mm -hmm. yep. it, I would, I, I'm, you see, I'm, I'm already taking 70%. <laughs> <laughs> I know how good of a money partner you are, I'd give you the 70% in this yeah, transaction. Okay. <laughs> Even um, if it is uh, three ways or four yeah. ways or five right. ways. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now. Um, let's say you use the line of credit mm -hmm. to invest in the, in the down payment and yep. you have that expense of the line of credit. Yep. Um, do you then add that after the fact, like to your taxes? Yeah, yeah. obviously it goes back to the agreement itself, right? right? Some In some agreement, the joint venture on its own, so mm -hmm. the 100% would reimburse the line of credit interest. Yeah. Some of them don't, a lot of them don't. If that's the case, then the money partner investor needs to be really careful because some accountant would deduct it as the 100% expenditure mm -hmm. and the software in itself would take out 50%. Right. When in effect, the line of credit is 100% deductible in the money partner's right. personal tax return. Yeah. So that got to be something that they pay attention yeah. to. And I, I often, I will have that conversation and guys, you will you probably will have that conversation if a money partner is using a mm -hmm. line of credit, yep. um, they'll maybe say, can you pay the line of, can you pay the interest on the line mm -hmm. of credit? And I said, well, first of all, it'll depend if the cash flow of the property can even yep. do to consider it. But just understand that if that's the case, I, as the real estate expert, will actually get 50% benefit yeah. of that, Yeah. right? Because right now that's your investment. Mm -hmm. And if the property pays for it, I actually will get the deduction. I get de a deduction yeah. on that and mm -hmm. where you could take, it's 100% yours potentially, yeah. Yeah. right? Okay. Um, third party ownership. So ownership position, so you and I own a property together. Mm -hmm. um, you're 100% on the title as the mortgage, as, as the hold the mortgage and yep. the money partner. Yep. I'm the real estate expert, I'm not on title. Yep. So I don't have a, 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 I'm not on the legal title, mm -hmm. but we have a beneficial interest, a, a trust agreement mm -hmm. that yep. says I actually own 50% mm -hmm. of this property. Is that still the same uh, things apply? Or is that a little different because I'm not on title? Um, so typically speaking, my clients would, mm -hmm. obviously we're stepping into the legal side of things, yeah. but um, a trust agreement would be sufficient. Yes. and. Recently, I just did some research on trust agreement. Uh, for those of you who does not understand what trust agreement is, um, I think in civil law in Canada, they recognize something, the legal ownership could be separated yeah. from uh, beneficial ownership. Yes, you can have two ownership exactly. positions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And a joint venture agreement would also be recommended. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so um, 
the best way to describe it, I describe this all the time, is a lot of um, corporate structures do this. Yep. Is they'll, they'll, they'll buy it personally because the bank will make you sign a personal guarantee. Mm -hmm. And then after it's closed, they'll get a trust agreement drafted up that the beneficial interest will be owned by a corporate structure. Yep. No different than this, that the beneficial interest will be you and I, yep. even though the legal ownership is you. Yes. Right? Yep. So based upon the agreement of the split. And trust agreement is 100% recognized by CLA as well. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. Awesome. So a um, couple other things. So now, uh, before we do get into the next realm of conversation, which I'm going to ask, uh, we're going to give some thought about some of the Everybody likes hearing horror stories all the time, right? <laughs> or, some, or some challenging situations. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're also going to have a conversation around disposition mm -hmm. of, of assets. Yep. Um, and then we're going to talk about maybe some just some final um, best practices to just get us organized uh, even more. Because at the end of the day, a bookkeeping accounting is just really just being on top of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and, and over and getting over the overwhelm, too. And like to me because I'm an accountant I'm gonna say this uh, it could the numbers getting on top of it it may seem to be a hassle mm -hmm. but the reality is that it actually helps you to gain trust and um, possibly getting more deals done so what did you think of today's episode this is just like I said Part one, there's another one coming. It'll come out next week um, with a conclusion to this conversation. So what did you take away from this? What was some of the key implementable items that you took away from this episode that you are going to, maybe you're going to, you're looking at things completely different now, right? Maybe you're going to redo the way you uh, structure your um, file system. There was a ton of information in this episode, and we will continue the conversation on the next one. Speaking of conversations, if any, hey, how about that for a segue? <laughs> if any of you would like to have uh, a conversation with myself, a consultation, if you need some help getting started or need some help on a pivot that you're looking at or need to need some help on just making sense of the what's going on in the real estate market, I still do have some consultations. Um, if I last time I checked, they still were free of charge. So if you jump on over to my website at russellwestcott.com, the big button on the top right hand side of the, the page is a book a time for a consultation. I would love to be able to help you move forward. And like I tell a lot of people when I have these conversations, I have all the time in the world for people that want to help themselves, people that want to better themselves, people that want more. So if you're looking for more and you maybe just need an extra set of eyes, an extra set of ears, and just something to bounce off somebody and have a great conversation about something just from somebody who's been around there, been there, done that, been there, done that for the past 20 years and still doing it every day in the trenches alongside you. This journey of real estate investing is difficult and it is even more difficult if you're doing it by yourself. So if you like the helping hand, if you just need to have a conversation to just see where the next step is for you, reach out. Consultations are still free of charge and they're still available on my website. Okay, gang. And you know, you know how we end each and one of these podcast episodes. In every day, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. 
Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.